welcome in for episode 113 of the Sports Gospel Show here on sportsgospel.com or wherever you find your podcast. Darren and Andrew with you on this week's show. We're happy to have you back. This will be part two of our NFL player rankings. We're going to go position by position and give you our top five players at each spot heading into this year. Last week we did defense. This week we'll do the offensive positions, maybe sneak in some special teamers. Before we get to that, we'll take a quick spinner on the sports world. I've got a couple things queued up, but anything from you, uh, particular topics, top of mind? Big UFC card coming up this weekend. I think you probably had that on your agenda, though. Yeah, that's one of the ones I wanted to get to, and we can start right there. Huge card. UFC always seems to do great cards in July, 4th of July weekend. They're always great, and they did so this year and have another one dialed up here. And looking at the card, maybe a little bit more for some of the smaller guys. We'll put it that way. But some tremendous fighters. Starts at the top. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. Two guys who, for the longest time, I could never keep straight which was which, because to me they were just so similar to each other, came up around the same time, were basically fighting in lightweight when it was Habib's world, and two phenomenal fighters meeting for the second time. Poirier defeated Gaethje back in the middle of 2018, so more than five years later, totally different fight. So we'll start there. You've got Gaethje and Poirier top of the card. Who are you picking? I like Gaethje. Um, I don't know why. I just, maybe just a gut instinct, but I like Gaethje, uh, in this scenario. So I'm with you on that one. Big fan of both of these fighters. Most of their fights, I do pick them, whether it's to my benefit or dismay. Uh, they both really kind of mirror images of each other with their careers. Again, work their way up at the same time. Poirier, I think maybe became a little bit bigger Starks. He defeated Conor McGregor back to back. McGregor was coming back from one of his long layoffs, and I told everybody, bet all your money that you have on Dustin Poirier. He was a huge underdog. McGregor was getting the hype because of the name, and Poirier destroyed him and then beat him again in the next fight. So two two times in 2021, Dustin Poirier defeated McGregor. Both these guys, really in the last five to six years, other than fighting each other, are undefeated outside of Habib and Charles Oliveira. So when we when Habib was gone, we thought one of these two was going to take over lightweight and finally be the king of the division for a while. And then here comes Charles Oliveira on his hot streak, tearing through the division. So kind of in this weird upheaval time with the lightweight title. I think winner of this goes right back into that title picture. You've got Gaethje, who despite being a world-class accomplished wrestler, likes to do this thing where he hates being on the ground. He's always on his feet. 19 of his 24 wins by knockout, one by submission, and four by decision. So I like Gaethje here coming off a win back in March over Rafael Fizayev, a fight of the night winner there. So either way, you're going to get fireworks, whichever one of these guys you pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just can't be wait to, to be watching that fight on Saturday night. Going to make for a really great Saturday night in July when there's nothing else going on. That, that Smart play by UFC to stack their good cards here when there's no football, no basketball, no hockey. You're kind of in the doldrums of the baseball season. So smart play by UFC to capitalize on the dog days of summer. Um, So looking at the UFC division, so Islam Makachev is the champion right now. He is supposed to make a defense against Charles Oliveira coming up in October. So UFC 294 is Makachev and Oliveira for the lightweight. And then I have to imagine the winner of this is next on the docket. Poirier minus 145, the betting favorite. 
Gaethje plus 125. I think I may have bet last weekend when the odds were a little bit better even on Gaethje. I think I got him at like plus 150 for a little $10 bet. So we're both going Gaethje, but a phenomenal top of the card. That it's You won't find a better non-title fight in MMA today than these two. Yeah, totally and, agree. And no, no titles on this card. I should clarify that. The second fight, curious one that kind of snuck up on me, Jan Blahovich, former light heavyweight champion, taking on Alex Pereira, who he was the one who defeated Adesanya for the middleweight crown. Adesanya has since come back and taken that away. So it kind of snuck up on me that Pereira had gone up. No favorite here. A bit of a, from what I'm seeing, the what I have in front of me, basically a push here. For the size, I'd have to go Blahovich, but it's a, the, the both of these guys beat Adesanya, so it's it's hard to say. Which which way to go here? But I'm a slight favorite for Jan Blahovich. I think so too. Um, I've seen Jan a bunch of times. Just feel like he's the more polished fighter and have a lot more confidence in him than Pereira. So I'll I'll go Jan here. The uh, if and again, not sure with the betting lines here. But if you want some crazy chaos, go with Pareda in a knockout. If you can get like a really deep parlay, like by kick, uh, he's one of the most terrifying kickers, you know, strikers with his feet that you have in MMA. So really fun to see his highlights. Terrifying to be on the other end of, I would imagine, but really fun for the Brazilian here. Number two ranked uh, versus Blahovic at number three. Uh, going down a little bit further. The Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson, back on the card. Always a, always a showman in his fights. A slight favorite over Michael Pereira. Uh, I'll go Wonder Boy here. I don't have a whole lot of insight on either of these two. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, so I I guess I'd probably just go with the more well-known guy and give me Wonder Boy as well. Man, I hate to line up with you exactly on this whole card, but He's... so far that's where I'm at. He's number seven ranked versus number 15. So minus 165 on Wonder Boy. And then a, another fight, Tony Ferguson is just more, more than we can get into on the show. But check out the career of Tony Ferguson sometime when you get a free minute. Just the weird odyssey of came out of nowhere. One of the hottest streaks in MMA. And then just was snake. As soon as he got to the top with Snake Bit, and he's just been on a losing streak for a long time here, all the way down to being early in the card and he's a plus 285 against Bobby Green who's a minus 375 so both these guys unranked it's just crazy to see what's you know the unfortunate what's happened to the career of El Kakui Tony Ferguson at a plus 285 for knowing the greatness that he once had I, I have to go Ferguson on this one just for the the name recognition and the good odds or the financially beneficial odds not necessarily good odds Again, I find myself agreeing with you on uh, every turn. I, um, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go, Ferguson here as well. And he was so he did. He did hold the interim belt at lightweight for a while. He was the guy who, while Conor McGregor was getting all the hype and not fighting, Ferguson was the guy waiting and was maybe kind of the heir apparent. But he was, he was stuck in McGregor's shadow, and then along came Habib, who's so kind of like Poirier and Gaethje, where they've had those two guys ahead of him. Uh, further down the card, Michael Chiesa versus Kevin Holland. Coin flip for me, but I'll go Kevin Holland. Yeah, I'm, man, we are just, we're <laughs> going five for five, like Kevin Holland. And then my guy, Derek Lewis, down a little bit further on the undercard. 
I'll he, take Derek Lewis. He's a plus 155 betting favorite on the UFC website. Again, I don't know much about his opponent, but give me Derek Lewis as well. And also by KO, get a parlay on Derek Lewis. I don't think he wins by anything other than punches to the head. Uh, and then the early right. prelims, the only one I'm really familiar with is Miranda Maverick, who feels like she's on every other card. This is her third fight since November on a UFC pay-per-view. And just one of the best names, Miranda Maverick. So minus 335, you're not going to get a lot of payout. But just if you want to brag about picking a winner, I'm I'm always going to pick Miranda Maverick just based on name. Yeah, so uh, if you're if you're scoring at home, it's a uh, Miranda Maverick, Derek Lewis, Kevin Holland, Tony Ferguson, Wonder Boy, Jan, Gaethje, and if you parlay that and all all of those hit, then you will get quite a bit of money depending on how much you put down. Gamble I, responsibly, folks. <laughs> I think I may have actually bet that on DraftKings the other day. Shout out if they want to be a sponsor. Uh, I did like a weird. Yeah. I did think I did like a six pick parlay, and it was like. One dollar paid out like thirty eight fifty or something. I'm like, oh, it's not a bad little way to make a weekend's worth of money. Yeah, no, that's totally worth it. Um, so be willing to take some risks, but not too too big of a risk. Don't go betting the farm on any of those. Uh, quick, uh, pivot here. Speaking of responsible betting, we were so close to hitting on Cam Young. When we talked about the British Open last week, we both called him as maybe a bit of a dark horse, long shot you could get. And after Friday, I was looking at the British Open standings thinking maybe Cam Young, and I think I actually went out and put a few dollars on him. What I should have done is bet him to just finish top 10. A lot of those sites will give you win, top 5, top 10, top 20. But our our guy, Cameron Young, came in tied for 8th at the British Open. It, uh, It was Brian Harmon's tournament. Everybody else was just there. Yeah, I gotta admit, I've never heard of Brian Harmon. This, this have guy I. must have just come out of no, nowhere. It's kind of what we've had in majors lately. We all, you know, you get a Brooks Kepkus or a John Rahm snuck in there every once in a while, but it's it's the Brian Harmons and the Wyndham Clarks that you're not familiar with who end up winning the big ones. Yeah, what's going on? I think I think golf has just become. There's so much parity. There's we're never gonna have. I shouldn't say never, but it's unlikely we'll have anything like Tiger. But we always get these guys who win one. It was, it was Luke Donald next. Is Padraig Harrington next? Is Jason Duffner le- next? And then more recently, oh, is Colin Morikawa going to be the next one? And it's sure these guys probably win more of the smaller tournaments. But on the majors, other than Brooks Kepka, we don't have a lot of guys. I don't think that have won multiple majors in the last five years. You know, Rory famously is in his dry spell. Spieth hasn't won in a while. Rom, maybe the I think Rom and Brooks are the two that are getting multiples. I just think there's so many guys on any given weekend that can be in contention. Yeah. Golf needs to start rigging their sport to create some stars. <laughs> just, just do it. Just New York Knicks, the Patrick Ewing draft, this whole thing. Yeah. And just find a way. I don't know how you rig a round of golf or two, but find a way and do it. Create some stars. <laughs> It can be Ryan Harmon for all I care. The man who supposedly somebody was saying he had two holes in one on a previous like one round of a tournament before. That's pretty cool. Yeah, apparently this dude's just a ringer that they just created out of nowhere. They just made this guy in a lab and sent him to the British Open and to clean up on everybody else. And here I thought Bryson DeChambeau was made in a lab, but that may be a different kind of laboratory enhancement. Perhaps. Uh, So. 
Harmon winning it. John Rahm, the big name there at the end. Jason Day, good for Jason Day to get back in this. He was one of those guys we thought was going to be one of the big stars and has faded in the last couple of years. The wonderfully named Sepp Straka up there. And then Rory, I'm sure that was the talk of the entire English channel was Rory in competition. Again, everybody was just too far behind, but got up there tied for six. So Rory and John Rahm were your big names. Selfishly, we like Cameron Young. And then congratulations to Brian Harmon for taking home the is it the Claret Jug? Is that something different? What's the cool British Open trophy called? I honestly do not know. I do not follow golf well enough to know this. <laughs> it is the Claret Jug. I don't know why I knew that. I must have heard it a million times in the last week. Uh, let's see. So just unless you have anything else, one more thing for me. MLB standings, anything that we need to dig into? The Orioles look like they're legit. The Rays are hanging in there. The Yankees are the opposite of legit. The AL Central is all still terrible, and uh, Texas is hanging in there with the Astros. So there's your AL. Yeah, NL, I mean, the Braves are struggling lately. Uh, the Brewers are, Brewers and Reds are kind of battling it out in Central. The Dodgers, the West looks pretty decent. The Padres are a disappointing team. Again, um, again, um, rumors of Otani trades. I don't know if anything will get done this year. Likely not, but probably not at the trade deadline. But that is coming up rather quickly, and we'll see who's buying, who's selling. That's always a big deal every year: who's buying and selling at the deadline. Uh, can we? Can I speak my piece on this Otani trade thing? It is not happening at any time, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, ever. The Angels have shown they are totally fine being terrible. They've got the Mickey Mantle, the Willie Mays of his generation of Mike Trout, and they're still terrible. They've wasted Mike Trout. They wasted 10 years of Albert Pujols. They're wasting Shohei Otani. They do not care. But you know what Shohei Otani does? He sells tickets. If you're the Angels, the Angels have not shown a desire to be a contending team. They're totally fine going 500. But they're going to turn a lot of get a lot of people through those turnstiles into that stadium because of Shohei Otani. And there's no point to trading him. Sure, you may get eight prospects and some players for this year's team. It's just there's there's I don't see the benefit for them. They're not going to contend. Adding a bunch of pieces is not going to help them contend. But Shohei Otani is good for right now. If he walks at the end of the year, he walks. I think they have a good shot at keeping him. I just I see no value in them trading him. And I think this is just bluster for the sake of having a conversational talking point in the down days of summer. The Angels are not trading Shohei Otani. If you can find that bet anywhere, give me all your money and bet no he's not getting traded. Not this year, but I yeah, yeah, it's probably not happening. You're right, but a guy can dream a guy can dream about Shohei Otani in a Cubs uniform. Uh <laughs> Let me let me have my dream. The the famously never spend money Cubs. Um, that's more of a recent development. Uh, <laughs> I feel like they spent plenty of money in putting together a World Series team, but yeah, they're back to spending no money again. Uh, Cody Bellinger for Shohei, straight up with Cody the way Cody Bellinger is playing, he's really turned it on lately. He looks, like, he looks like the NL MVP again. The Cubs have won four straight as we're recording this. 
Yeah, and they're probably going to make it five because they're playing the uh, very disappointing and terrible White Sox. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I really hope and pray that Shohei becomes a Cub. That would be the ultimate dream. Uh, Something going on as we're recording this, the Women's World Cup, which I had neglected because it's soccer and therefore kind of 15th on my list of sports that I'm paying attention to. But as we're recording this, we've got Team USA taking on the Netherlands in their second game. Uh, go Team USA. I just assume they'll win. Netherlands probably feels like they're good, but I'll take Team USA. Yeah, I was just uh, watching a little bit of the pregame before we hopped on, and it seems like in the power rankings of all the world teams, the USA is maybe their first in some people's rankings, their fourth and fifth in others. I don't know if we haven't looked that impressive, but um, Netherlands is a top 10 team in the world. So this might be the most competitive game that the USA has in the group stage. I would say until we get the, to the later stages when the USA has advanced a little bit more because they'll almost assuredly advance out of the group stage. Basically tonight for the USA decides whether or not they're going to be the top team in the group stage or the second team in the group stage. If they lose, then they'll be second. If they win, then they'll assuredly be first. They don't even need to worry about their last game against Portugal, I believe, on next Tuesday. Yeah, I do not know enough about any soccer, but the USA, Netherlands, and Portugal in a group together feels like it would probably be one of the tougher ones. I've got them in front of me right now. Maybe like Germany, Colombia, South Korea feel like they're also like the tough ones, but... You'd think one of the teams from USA's Group E sitting at home will be one of the better teams. Yeah. Um, I don't think Portugal's really all that good. More, um, of a, more of a, like, the men's only in Portugal. Isn't the, aren't the Portuguese men really good? They're kind of like yeah. the, kind of the opposite Port- of the U.S. Portuguese men are, have always been really good because they've always had Ronaldo. So that's really helped uh, Portugal out, but I think the Netherlands is a pretty good team. I think it's pretty much uh, USA and Netherlands in their group. But beyond that, I think Germany is a really good team. Um, Australia might be really good at women's soccer, I'm seeing, basically. so. Um, nice. And we're in Australia slash New Zealand for the Women's World Cup. So Same. a little bit of home advantage for Australia there. Uh, you know what I like about the Netherlands in just any sport? What's that? It's it's the orange. You can always tell that Netherlands orange, like if it's field hockey, lacrosse, baseball, soccer, track and field, they always wear that distinct orange. There's plenty of red, white, blue out there, a little bit of black, a little bit of green. Nobody else is orange. I love that Netherlands orange, and you can always tell who it is. Very distinct. Yeah, I like, I'm with you there. Big I fan. like that too. Except tonight. Right. Tonight they're going to have to lose. I'm sorry. <laughs> go go Netherlands any other time. Yeah, literally any other time except for when they play Team USA. Should we get into the, the big topic this week? Let's do it. So we've got our player rankings here for the NFL heading into the season, who each of us think will be the top five players at each one. We do not commiserate beforehand, so we have no idea what each other's list looks like. We're going to do quarterbacks, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then we lumped all the linemen into one big group. Should we start? Should we start with the big guns, the big money players? 
Or do you want to if leave? That's where you want to start. I'm down, or I, I was thinking maybe we leave that for the end. Okay. Well, we will we build leave, our way up to it. We will leave the quarterbacks for the end. So we will say, uh, let's start with the much maligned running backs who are kind of the talking point of the offseason this year with how they should be paid or not paid. Uh, for me, I, I narrowed down my list to eight guys. And starting at number five for me, I'm going with maybe the best dual threat and one of the guys who's getting paid because of that. And that's Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers, the number five guy for me. I don't know if he's as good as he was a couple of years ago, but he's a perfect weapon for that San Francisco system. Kyle Shanahan has this perfect gadget player. McCaffrey can do anything, run right up the middle, catch out of the backfield, breakaway speed. He's maybe the most five-tool player. I, I do like a little bit more of a hammer to my running backs that McCaffrey brings to the table, which is why I have him at five. But for me, give me the Swiss Army knife that is CMC. I also like CMC. He might be in a different spot here in my rankings, but at number five, uh, give me a guy who really had a great year last year, um, who did not get his fifth-year option picked up, is in a bit of a contract dispute, but I really loved what he did last year, led the NFL in rushing yards. At number five, Josh Jacobs, the Las Vegas Raiders. And Jacobs is a guy that I usually cheer for. As much as we talk about the role of running backs in today's NFL, there was more guys than I liked on here. I had to bump Jacobs out. He's a guy that I've defended when other people said he was never that good, yada, yada, yada. So no, I'm a, I'm a huge Josh Jacobs fan. I just had to knock him off. He was, he was in my receiving votes category, just outside my top five. Yeah. I mean, that's fair, but he, I, I had to put him in because he led the league in yards last year. Felt like top five this year. Felt like a number five felt like a good spot. Anything higher felt too high. Anything lower felt too low. So five was just right for me with Josh Jacobs. Number four for me, I'm going with one of the more underappreciated players, and I get why people don't like him if they don't like him, but he's been an absolute workhorse, one of the few three-down backs we still have in the league. You can give the ball to him in any situation, and that's Joe Mixon. Playing behind Joe Burrow and alongside Jamar Chase, those guys steal all the headlines, but Joe Mixon has been the constant, the engine driving that team. So, yeah, just I the do the do everything back for them. One of the true underrated workmen as running backs in the league. Been around, what, five or six years now. Joe Mixon for the Bengals, number four for me. Just on the outside for me with Mixon, but at number four for me, I'm going to go ahead and put a guy that, again, is in another contract dispute. You can say that about almost every guy on this list, it feels like. Uh, with a few exceptions, but give me Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. I just really like Saquon's talent. I feel like he had his best season last year, probably one of his healthiest seasons last year. Um, I know that he's been injured a lot in the past, but I just really liked what I saw out of him, and he was a huge reason why the Giants made the playoffs and actually won a game in the playoffs. Um so give me uh, Saquon. He just agreed to a new contract, I guess, with a, a one-year $11 million contract with some bonuses, some incentives. But So it's not much, but uh, give me Saquon here at my number four spot. 
Yeah, I go back and forth on Saquon. Undeniable talent and just his his legs alone are terrifying and how jacked they are. I just I, the the hot and cold for me is why I had Saquon just outside of my list. But, but we'll see if he keeps up what he had from last year. He may move up a little bit if he has as good of a year as he did last year. Number three for me is a guy who I'm looking to have a bit of a bounce back here. It was a stud a couple of years ago, slowed down last year. I think his team is going to rely on him an awful lot if he's healthy because they really don't have other options. And that's Jonathan Taylor with the Indianapolis Colts was a beast two years ago. He's a Wisconsin running back. We know what kind of power they bring to the table. I, I expect huge things out of him coming into this year as the Colts figure out life with Anthony Richardson, a young guy, still a developmental quarterback, or they have Gardner Minshew, who's just going to fill the gap. So as good as the receivers may be on the outside, I think they're going to have to lean on Taylor to be a bulk of that offense. I think he he's a decent pass catcher. I think he's got a little bit more of that game than we give him credit for. So Jonathan Taylor at three for me. All right. All right. I had Jonathan Taylor just on the outside as well. Um, so I think this one is going to be a little bit of a surprise to some people, but I'm going to put him at number three here. And that is one of the most underrated guys in all of football. I think, um, I, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones. I think he should have been more featured in the offense last year. Uh, we've been saying it almost since he got drafted. Um, I know that Matthew Barry beat this bell a lot in the first couple of years of this guy's career, but I think we're actually going to see it this year uh, more than we have in the past. And that's the free Aaron Jones campaign. He should uh, be way more involved in the offense, but for whatever reason was not. Um, and we're going to see this year just how valuable he is. But Aaron Jones is a, a really, um, he he can put up numbers like Christian McCaffrey, who I you might see later on in my list. And I view Aaron Jones in much the same light as a Christian Christian McCaffrey. So I'm putting him here at number three. So I, I know you're going to say you're a homer, and yes, I am. But uh, I got to give a lot of respect to my guy Aaron Jones. So give me Aaron Jones at number three. And I think Aaron Jones is in that top 10 running back conversation among active backs. He's ninth in rushing right now and easily climb up that list this year. And I do think they're going to have to lean on that running game as they figure out how life without Aaron jo uh, Aaron Rodgers works and the Jordan Love transition. I just wonder how much they're going to use him or are they going to go heavy on A.J. Dillon more so? So that's why I wonder if he's going to gobble up some of Jones's carries. Yeah, I do think they're going to lean heavy on the run game. And actually, I, th I feel like that's what they should have been doing the past two years. Uh, so I, in some ways, I think the Green Bay offense as a whole will will function better. But anyways, we'll save that for later for another day. We'll go ahead and give it back to you for your number two. So my number two, I was I was so torn here at the top. I wanted to put both of these guys at number one. You want the, it was really kind of an age thing. One guy's slightly younger, but they're two of the top five backs in the league in active yards. I had to go with Nick Chubb at number two. I am totally fine if he ends up being the best, if he leads in all categories this year. He's, he's everything you want a running back. So ferocious, so fearsome. The breakaway speed, but can also lower the boom on a linebacker, safety, whomever it may be. 
Just love everything about the way Nick Chubb plays. He just looks different on the screen. He just pops when you watch him carry the ball. So Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb at number two. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, I got Nick Chubb at number two as well. Hey, we finally got the same one. Yeah, we did that a lot last time with all the defensive guys. It seems like we had the same list nearly every time with a few exceptions, but uh, we might deviate a little bit. But yeah, Nick Chubb, it looks like he just kind of glides. It looks like his feet kind of dig into the ground a little bit differently than other running backs. I don't even really know how to explain it, but uh, just watch him versus other running backs. Just for a pure runner, he is absolutely incredible. And maybe I'm putting him at number two because he doesn't bring as much pass catching value, which I think is a, a big thing for NFL running backs these days. You kind of have to be able to do both. Although I do think that Nick Chubb could see more of that this year with no Kareem Hunt around. So uh, maybe I'll look really silly putting him at number two after this season, and that's okay. But go ahead and make me look silly, Nick Chubb. He's he's incredible. So he's he's entering his sixth year, and he had 996 yards as a rookie. I'm going to call it 1,000 yards. He's a thousand yards in all five seasons, eight plus rushing touchdowns in each season. So one of the most consistent guys, four-time Pro Bowler, made his first All-Pro team last season. We get nervous about these running backs as they get closer to thirty, and I feel like their five-year mark. They say, "Okay, get the best out of running backs in their first five years." I really hope Nick Chubb is just reaching his peak and is going to pop and have an Adrian Peterson-like career, a Marshawn Lynch career. I really don't want to see him fall off and kind of go off that proverbial. 50-year, approaching 30 years old. He's only 27 right now, or was 27, going to be 28 soon. I, I, I really hope Chubb is just peaking and has about five more good years left so we can enjoy, like you say, that kind of graceful yet pounding style he has. Yeah, um, the Derrick Henry model, right, for the more modern. Uh, Derrick Henry's been able to keep it together, but you mentioned Adrian Peterson. I hope so as well, and man – I'm just thankful that Nick Chubb was not drafted by the New England Patriots when they had the chance. They took uh, Sony Michelle instead, his teammate, who was good in his own right, but had a lot of concerns. And thankfully, they didn't pair Tom Brady with Nick Chubb. Yeah, I I remember watching those Georgia teams and thinking how to like Sony Michelle was good, but Nick Chubb is the he's the one. Yeah, and didn't they have um, a young DeAndre Swift behind those two? Oh, geez, probably. I th- and I thought there was another guy. Was there a guy who like had a devastating knee injury on that team? There might have been. Not a there little bit before those. I don't know who I'm thinking of. All right, I might go down the Georgia football rabbit hole here in a second. But anyways, oh. you go ahead with your number one guy. All right. So number one is a guy who you just mentioned in conversation. He's still the king, and that's Derrick Henry. Yes, he's getting up there in age, but the lead active leader in yards is a behemoth as a running back, 6'3", 247, according to Pro Football Reference. All-pro, three-time all-pro, MVP, multi-time pro bowler. He's had double-digit touchdowns each of the last five seasons. I, again, worry about running backs and the wear and tear, and especially the way he plays and how much Tennessee has relied on him. 
But until I see otherwise, King Henry is number one for me. And I predict he keeps up that blistering pace, double-digit touchdowns, at least 1,500 yards. No, Derrick Henry for me is still number one. All right, that's that's fair enough. I love Derrick Henry. I've got nothing against that. Number one for me is a guy that you mentioned at number five. Uh, but again, I place a high value on guys who can run, guys who can catch. This guy was healthy uh, most of last year, really took the Niners to another level. Um, couldn't quite carry them all the way to the Super Bowl, but tried his best. Christian McCaffrey, number one. Um, also, as we're recording this, I'm actually wearing a Christian McCaffrey jersey um, because I'm in a fantasy football league that gives a jersey to the uh, highest scoring player in your championship week. And I won the championship, thanks in large part to a guy named Christian McCaffrey. So maybe that's my motivation for putting him number one. Um, love the guy. And so I, I'm putting Christian McCaffrey at my number one spot. Uh, not not surprised there. Like you say, maybe the best dual threat guy in the league. So total total respect for Christian McCaffrey. I uh, want to do a couple follow-up questions here. Guys who I just had on the outside looking in, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, and the aforementioned Josh Jacobs. Kamara and Eckler a lot better as the dual threat players than a lot of the guys I like. You know, Chubb, Taylor, Mixon are more of your straight-ahead backs. I, I wanted to find ways to get those guys in there, but only only five spots to give out. Anybody else that we didn't mention that was just outside for you? Um, just outside that I think we're going to respect a whole lot more because he's finally the guy, Tony Pollard. Hmm. Uh, I, I think we're going to, uh, really understand how good Tony Pollard is now that he'll fully be unleashed with Zeke, not there. I know they drafted Deuce Vaughn and, uh, no offense to Deuce Vaughn, but he's kind of a small guy and it, it takes a lot for small guys like him to kind of make it in the NFL. But I think they're going to just give all the keys to Tony Pollard. And he was just very explosive. He had a lot of uh, runs um, that go for 15, 20 yards, and he just has some all-out speed. So I think we're going to be um, in the year of Tony Pollard in terms of the running back. And not to give too much away, I don't know if we'll do fantasy football later on down the road, but Tony Pollard is a guy that I'm – really big on for fantasy football as well. So I think uh, that's a guy that we're going to see maybe in that top five conversation for us next year. Where, where is Ezekiel Elliott? Uh, Nowhere. As far as, as far as I, I'm looking, I was like, where is like, I'm looking at all the depth charts and I was like, completely forgot that Zeke was not on a team at the moment. Yeah. Zeke is just, uh, yeah, Zeke is just no, nowhere to be found. Then, um, while while we were talking about this, though, 2017 Georgia, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, who rushed for 2,500 yards combined with a young DeAndre Swift, and then the guy who had the uh, really bad knee injury that you were talking about was uh, Elijah Holyfield, Vander Holyfield's son, oh. who played running back for... Um, the Georgia Bulldogs, I believe he had a really, a really bad knee injury, but he was a, 
an absolutely beast of a of a human. I remember too. Interesting. He was fi- They had him five eleven, two fifteen, but like it was two fifteen all muscle. Yeah, it was a Vander Holyfield two fifteen. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like you could tell that this was Holyfield's kid because he was all muscle. But yeah. So that team was loaded in the running back room. They only uh, put up 3,000 yards rushing together between those three guys that I mentioned. Kirby Smart's got something figured out down there. Yeah, I don't think they had Kirby Smart in 2017, or it could be I could be wrong. Started there. I'm sure it was probably well, what the it was probably Mark Rick's original recruits. Was there somebody uh, it was Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart. Oh, no, there wasn't. This was kind of when um, Georgia started to ascend. I don't think they they lost the college football playoff to Alabama but finally before breaking through um, two years ago, I think. That's when they finally broke through. So won it all. I am excluding your Packers from this, and I, I think I've narrowed down the top teams. But if you could pick any one running back stable in the NFL going into this year, you've got the Chiefs with Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You've got the Eagles with DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, Boston Scott, and Trey Sermon. You've got the Lions, basically David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. The Falcons with Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. Uh, I think those are actually the main ones, if, unless you want to go crazy and put Debo Samuel in with Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey for the 49ers. And I think those are the top when you're going to look at running back by committee. And I guess the Falcons have Cordero Patterson as well now. I forget he's not. Remember, remember the Niners have CMC, so they're definitely not by committee anymore. You don't You don't consider Elijah Mitchell a change of pace guy? I mean, I do. I do. Okay, so so what's the question here? Which one of those would I rather have? Yeah, which, which who do you think has the best running back stable in the NFL? And for my money, I think those are the top teams: the Chiefs, got Chiefs, Eagles, Lions, Falcons, and Forty ers Because I'm not allowing you to pick the Packers. Ah, okay. Even though it would be the Packers. <laughs> okay, um, that's fine. So who has the second best? Uh, Atlanta. Um, I like their offensive line. I like the talent of Bijan. When you draft a guy as high as Atlanta did, um, you know that he's going to get workhorse usage. And Tyler Algier is not a not a slouch of a backup. So I really like. They want to be a grinded out team. They want to pound you and pound you again, and they're set up perfectly to do that. Now that they have Bijan and Algier. Their offensive line. I mean. You're going to see Bijan going number one in some people's fantasy drafts. Wow! Like you're you're going to see Bijan going number one. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that high on Bijan, but definitely number one in all dynasty rookie drafts, no doubt about it. Bijan is, but I, yeah, out of all those teams you mentioned, if I can't pick Green Bay, then go ahead and give me Bijan every time. We have a projection on where Dalvin Cook is going to go or are we going to wait till week one when everybody has all their starters get injured and then somebody's going to need him in an emergency 
Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. And I am, that's a guy who I think is going to fall, kind of fall off the radar. Uh, Vikings seem to think the same thing. It's yep, only I'm one day. I hate it because the Vikings are doing smart things with their roster now. So <laughs> are the Bears. Sort of. There's some good big name veterans out there that are available. Dalvin Cook, Jadavion Clowney, Melvin Ingram, Teddy Bridgewater, Justin Houston, John Johnson. Some cream hunt. Oh yeah. Forget about him. Yeah. There's there's plenty of guys that are out there that you can have off the street that could help your team right now. Let's go to the pass catchers, wide receiver, and I guess I should go back down our running back list. So my five to one, Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. You had Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, and Christian McCaffrey. So there's our running backs. Let's take a look at receivers. And I think this, we could go a lot of different ways. I think this was the position I had the most guys in consideration for, I think I wrote down like 20 names. This and cornerback, I had the most names. So to whittle it down to my five, I felt pretty confident about who my number one was, but the rest of them could have gone a lot of different ways. Uh, So I'll just start in here at number five. You can argue with me as to whether or not he is a true wide receiver or if he's a little bit of everything. But I think in the modern NFL, the diverse talents he brings to the table, I'm going Debo Samuel. Not Not typically a 49er guy, but the more I watch and the more I see what he's able to do and how successful they are because of what they do with him. I consider Debo a wide receiver, so he's got to be in my top five. That's interesting. I like Debo, but I think he's the second best wide receiver on his team. Ooh. I like Ayuk and where Ayuk's career is headed. And I think this might be the year that we see that Ayuk is actually the number one wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. But I digress. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I I did have this guy a little bit higher on my list um, than number five, but I did some reworking. I like the speed of this guy. I like uh, his situation, but I, I'm not sure with some of the off field stuff, if he'll even be around this year. It's always kind of a concern with this guy. Tyreek Hill, number five. I thought you were going to say Josh Gordon for a minute, so good thing you cleared that up. Oh, no. Josh Gordon is nowhere near my top five, but um, I think he'll be okay. I just hope that some of the stuff, the rumors aren't true when it comes to Tyreek Hill. If they're not, good for everyone involved, and we'll get a lot of exciting plays out of Tyreek Hill. Um, putting him at my number five number four for me going over to the AFC guy who depending on if you believe where there's smoke there's fire wasn't all that happy this offseason but I think when he's on the field and locked in he's as good as anybody in the world maybe the best hands in the game if you think DeAndre Hopkins has slipped a little bit I'm going Stefan Diggs for the Bills this feels like now or never for this Bills team with what they've built with McDermott and Allen and Diggs and all the studs on that defense Stefan Diggs, he can do a little bit of everything, but especially those hands, I just like thrown into a bucket of glue with him. So I think he's going to put up crazy, crazy numbers all across the board, receptions, yards, touchdowns. 
So Stefan Diggs for me at number four. I'm out on Stefan Diggs. And if that gives you any sense of how I feel about the Buffalo Bills this year, I had uh, Stefan Diggs well outside of my top five. Um, yeah. Nope. Sorry. I don't mean to diss your picks as we're going through this. I when I knew we were going to be very different. I respect the talent on the field. I think he's a very good player, but I also think that there's just, there's just a lot of signs with Buffalo that give me a lot of pause with them. And Diggs is a big part of that, but I'll go to a guy that was prone to injury last year, missed a lot of the season with an injury but if you can guarantee me that Matt Stafford is going to go ahead and be his quarterback all year, then I think putting him at number four is more than justified uh, because he was actually on a pace to do bigger and better things than what Justin Jefferson did last year, who I know is going to be higher up on my list here. But give me Cooper Cup at number four. And I think the only reason I have him this low is because of the injury. Uh, he he's one that I had just on the outside looking in. I do hope he bounced back and la- la- hoping that last year was an aberration for him. I so want to see a repeat of his 2021 campaign and the other worldly things he did. I hope he gets right. I hope Sean McVay's got it all dialed in. I hope Matt Stafford is healthy. I was just too scared of Cooper Cup to put him in here. I would, would love to see him back in that elite form, though. Me too. Me too. Number three for me, a guy that I really just like for the big play. I don't like him as much as an every down receiver like a Stefan Diggs, but maybe the fastest guy in the NFL now, or at least the best big play deep threat. And that's Jamar Chase. I kind of resisted getting attracted to the sizzle for a while, but now that he's been around a couple of years, the seems like almost unspoken connection that he and Joe Burrow have for each other. and can read each other's minds on the field. They have, entrenched the Bengals as a legitimate contender. So Jamar Chase for me at three, maybe the most exciting wide receiver in the game right now for the fireworks and hero plays he can do. I'm also a huge fan of Jamar Chase. Um, But my number three, and I hope you're sitting down. (laughs) Justin Jefferson. Ooh. Controversy. This this is like yes. Aaron Donald at three on my defensive tackles. Yes. Ex- extreme controversy here. Um, maybe a little bit of it is just my disdain for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, but also part of it is I think that um, he's not probably going to get as much of a target share as what he did last year. Uh, You've got Hawkinson, who's a little bit more entrenched in the offense. They spend a first-round pick on Jordan Addison. They're obviously going to get him more involved. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with talent. I'm just more projecting where these guys are going to finish after this season. And so I think Justin Jefferson taking a step back from last season is almost a, a sure thing. I don't think he's going to have a repeat of last season. He could prove me wrong, but I, um, yeah, I like the talent. There's nothing wrong with the talent there, but I just like the top two guys a little bit better. But I really think when we get to this top three, we're kind of nitpicking. And so I'm, I'm nitpicking 
and I'm putting Jefferson third, but I don't think there's a lot that separates this top three. For number two, I'm going with a guy you had on your list. A lot of the same concerns for me, but it is Tyreek Hill. I really thought he was going to fall off when we when he went to the Dolphins, and he has proven me wrong. As long as Tua stays healthy and upright, I think Tyreek Hill can have another monster year. Another guy in that conversation for fastest offensive player, if not just flat out fastest player in the NFL right now. And I think the Dolphins have done so much adding weapons to that team. The defense is better. The offense, they've added a bunch of kind of slot guys and possession receivers to open things up for Tyreek Hill. And they're always going to have that stable of running backs to go to. So I I think Tyreek Hill is another guy like Jamar Chase, the home run hitter, the big plays, the speed, it's all there. I resisted for a long time, including him, but he's as long as he can stay on the field. And again, like you say, who knows about the off the field stuff? That's not for us to opine on. But if he's if he's in the league and in the game, I think he's as, as dangerous as any weapon there is in the NFL. Totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, this number two guy, I don't think he has the best quarterback situation, although Jimmy G is coming back. He's past his physical. But I like this guy. His route running capabilities are really why I put him here. I know he's a little bit on the older side. That's former Packer Devontae Adams at number two for me. See, I was I had him as my number six. I put Debo in over him. I didn't know if he was going to be dead to you after he left Green Bay. Absolutely not dead to me, although he never should have left. Because look at his quarterback situation now. It's a complete mess. He went there for Derek Carr. He got one year of Derek Carr. And now he's left with some mess of Jimmy Garoppolo or Aiden O'Connell. Um, best of luck to you, Devonte. You're a really great receiver, but you probably should have stuck it out where you had a more stable quarterback situation for at least another year. And you got me wondering who your number one is. Um, but my, my top of my list, the guy who you so cruelly besmirched and spoke ill of Justin Jefferson, he is the best receiver on the planet right now. He is the next generation of Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. He is the heir apparent. I think we're looking at the next five to six years of this is Justin Jefferson's league. When you talk about receivers who, again, we're relying on Kirk Cousins here to get him the ball, but Kirk Cousins loves to put up gaudy numbers, whether or not winning is involved. Cousins can put up numbers. And Justin Jefferson is going to benefit from that. Not shocked to see multiple consecutive years of 1,500, 10 touchdown seasons out of him. Justin Jefferson is the king of wide receivers right now. I am sorry, but uh, the real king of wide receivers is my number one. The guy who you mentioned, Jamar Chase. Interesting. He's he's the big-bodied guy. Um that you can go to in the red zone every time. I think he's a little bit bigger of a body than Justin Jefferson. I know that he missed a few games with injury last year. If he hadn't done that, we probably remember Chase's season the same way we remember Jefferson's season. And also Chase has the better quarterback going forward. I think he's just as talented, uh, maybe more talented. I, let's Let's go ahead and cool it with the, the Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Justin Jefferson hype. Um, I think that's more reserved for Jamar Chase, honestly. I think Jamar Chase is is a little bit closer to that level. Um, So give me Jamar Chase as my number one wide receiver heading into this year. 
So to recap, my five to one, Debo Samuel, Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. Yours was Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase. So what's that? One, two, three guys the same for us. And then just on the outside, I mentioned I had Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup at my six and seven, and then a guy we didn't get to. Amon Ross St. Brown. I've been a huge fan of him since he came into the league. Absolute steal for the Lions. He'll be the focal point of that offense until James Million comes comes back. Uh, yeah, huge fan of Amon Ross St. Brown. So I hope the rest of the world kind of comes around on him. Do you have anybody else you considered? Kind of like you, I had 20 guys. Like there's just so many guys in the wide right. receiver um, category that you could pick out, but I like Amon Ra. Um, I think we got to give a little bit of love to AJ Brown. I think Jalen Waddle, like the Dolphins may not miss a beat if Tyreek Hill does miss any time because Jalen Waddle is simply that good as well. I think we're going to, you know, T Higgins, um, you know, Bengals. I, I don't know. Garrett Wilson had a 1100 yard year with, Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Chris Strevler at quarterback. Now he's got some dude named Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Um, I like Devonta Smith. Like we're man, we are just we are just blessed with a lot of good wide receivers. Um, dark horse name to keep an eye on that I think might ascend this year is uh, Jahan Dotson. Hmm. I know that no everybody knows Scary Terry from the commanders, but I think Jahan Dotson is just as good. Um, and if Sam Howell is anything close to the quarterback that we thought he could be coming out of college, then you might be seeing a lot of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. And remember that uh Bien-Ami, Eric Bienemy, the offensive coordinator for the chiefs is now the offensive coordinator for the commanders. So we might see a little bit more passing out of that commander's offense, and that would be- benefit a guy like Dotson as well. So C.D. Lamb, I, again, there's just so many names. Yeah, C.D. Lamb was one I was going to get to. DeAndre Hopkins, does he have anything left in the tank? Same thing for Keenan Allen. What shape is Mike Williams in? Will Jerry Judy or Michael Pittman Jr. really pop to that top level this year? Um, God, there's so the Calvin many. Ridley come back? Calvin Ridley. Chris Olave had a sensational rookie season. I like Devonta Smith. Michael Thomas is Mike. Are we, are, we, are we ever going to get old Michael Thomas back? Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. We didn't even get to Mike Evans is the active leader in yards. There's so many guys. Ship has sailed for uh, Michael Thomas. I'm uh, I'm all the way out on Michael Thomas. All yeah, the way. The one amazing year, and then. Yeah, I think Olave is the guy in New Orleans now, and I think he might have a chance to really pop off because his thing is the deep ball and Derek Carr is actually good at that. So we might, we might have a, I really think Olave and Garrett Wilson will really open a lot of eyes this year. If they didn't in their rookie year, I think they're, those two are actually poised for big breakouts. So led right into the question. I wanted to ask you if you had to pick one rookie wide receiver for this year, so we've got Jackson Smith and Jigba with the Seahawks, Jordan Addison with the Vikings, uh, Jalen Hyatt with the Giants, Quentin Johnston with the Chargers. I'm looking at guys who are kind of top two likely to get a lot of playing time. Josh Downs with the Colts. Zay Flowers. 
they the Ravens. With the Ravens. I think those are kind of your top guys that we look at getting a lot of playing time. Yeah. One, if you had to, if you had to get people a rookie wide receiver to mm. focus on, that's tough because I think the most talented one is Jackson Smith and Jigba, but he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and so I think. For that reason, I know that this guy has Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson competing for him, but I think uh, Jordan Addison can bring a, a lot more to this year's Minnesota Vikings team than what Adam Thielen did to last year's team. I I think Jordan Addison's going to step into that wide receiver to that Adam Thielen role like almost instantly and. And probably eventually, maybe not this year, do it better. But I think Jordan Addison will probably have the most successful rookie season because I think he'll have the most opportunity in a in an offense that does throw the ball quite a bit. Oh, I'm I'm with you on that. I think you hit that right on the head. Smith and Jigba, maybe in the days after Tyler Lockett's gone, maybe a better bet for right now. Addison should have a great rookie year. Yeah, but I I mean, maybe the guy to keep an eye on, though, is Zay Flowers, because I think I would put Zay Flowers number two because he reminds me a lot of Marquise Brown, who did some good things when he had a Lamar Jackson throwing him the ball. He's still doing good things in Arizona, but I could see Zay Flowers kind of taking on that Marquise Brown role and opening some eyes early on, too. So, yeah, I think... I think those guys have the right opportunity to really make noise. Well, let's look at the other pass catchers. Let's go to the big tight ends, which I suspect will be a little easier conversation because I could only come up with six that were even in consideration for me. Yeah, I think that might, it might be a, a little bit of an easier conversation. Um, one second here. Let me get me, let me get to my great all encompassing tight end list. All the all the cross referencing and the data points and the money balling. All the data points, yeah. All the money balling. Um, at number five here, I, I think this might surprise some people. Either it might surprise people with how high I have this guy or how low I have this guy. A lot of polarizing opinions on this guy, but go ahead and give me Kyle Pitts here at my number five spot. I just really like the talent. I feel like we rank him a little bit lower than this because we expect more things out of Kyle Pitts. Just coming out of college, we expected kind of the world out of him. But I think uh, he missed seven games last year and didn't have his best season. But I think he's going to be a nice little security blanket for Desmond Ritter as Desmond Ritter kind of gets acclimated. So... I really like what Atlanta has in their in their young pieces, but Kyle Pitts at my number five spot. I am very much in on Mr. Pitts, but more on that later. Starting at number five, don't worry, I got one of your guys in here. I'm going TJ Hawkinson, the best current, no, second best Iowa. Damn, I got two Hawkeyes in here. Dang it. Uh, second best Perfect. Iowa Hawkeye tight end in the league right now. I think Hawkinson is just, He's still reaching his prime. I think there's plenty of room for him to grow and become as good as 
tight ends whose last name begin with K. For me right now, though, he's right there, number five. It was For me, it was kind of a toss-up, Hawkinson and Darren Waller for that five spot, and I thought Hawkinson, just being the younger guy, had more upside. And in that Vikings offense, there's going to be ample opportunity for Kirk Cousins to throw it all over the yard. I agree. I agree with where you're where you're going. Um, but number four for me is a guy that's a huge part of the Eagles offense. We talked about A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, but don't neglect Dallas Goddard. I really liked um, the the rapport that he had with Jalen Hurts last year, and I think he's just consistently good and steady, and it's why the Eagles were so willing to move on from Zach Ertz when they did. I I just really believe that this guy is just your consistent. Um, it's like, remember Heath Miller? I really think Dallas Goddard is kind of like a Heath Miller type guy. Like maybe not top two ever in his career, but just consistently around that top five. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, give me Dallas Goddard at number four. What you said about Goddard kind of applies to the guy that I have here at number four. Just kind of a traditional, reliable, does everything year in, year out. And that's Mark Andrews with the Ravens, a guy that we don't talk about quite as much as some of the more more high-profile guys at the top. Been with the Ravens for quite a while now. Uh, last year, a pro bowler, five touchdowns, 847 yards, 73 receptions because Lamar Jackson has to throw to somebody and all their running backs and wide receivers were hurt. You talk about a security blanket. I think that's what Mark Andrews is for Lamar Jackson. They seem to have a nice rapport there and a, a tremendous athlete for a tight end and a guy who just, I when in doubt, go to Mark Andrews for the Ravens. Nice. I um, got to throw a flag on myself because I screwed up. Uh-oh. My number four, I meant to put Mark Andrews. Ah. Sorry, Dallas Goddard. You said You're actually my time. number six. You're at my number six. Mark Andrews is my actual number four. I do love Dallas Goddard, but he's just number six for me. Um, but yeah, Mark Andrews for all the reasons that you said. Um, so yeah. Um, so my number three right now, am I on the clock? If you'd like to be. I would like to be on the clock and reveal the first of my Iowa tight ends. Yeah. And I'm putting TJ Hawkinson at number three. He had a huge week in week four with Detroit, a huge week in week 16 with Minnesota, and he was just getting acclimated to that Minnesota offense. I know that Kirk Cousins really likes him, is really big on him, and apparently you know, really started targeting him later in the season once Hawkinson got more of the offense. I think this is going to be – kind of the year that TJ Hawkinson ascends a little bit more in the eyes of the casual fan. Um, so give me Hawkinson at number three. Are there four Iowa tight ends in the league right now? You've got George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, and now Sam Laporta. Yes. Is there another one or is it those four? That's four starting it's tight ends. The, four starting tight ends. Um, after next year, we could have six starting tight ends from Iowa. Neepers. Very possible. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Uh, number three for me is a guy you mentioned, arguably the best athlete at tight end. We just think of him as kind of a thick wide receiver, and that's Kyle Pitts. I think he's going to live up to the hype. He's going to 
earn every accolade that's been given him. It's just going to take some time for that Falcons offense to catch up. He seems like he'll be the go-to target for Desmond Ritter because who else is he going to throw to? Drake London is still coming along and developing, but I think Pitts is ready now. They don't really have a lot else to throw to, and Pitts can do everything. I think he's a rare game-breaker at tight end, a guy who's going to get those yak stats and be a huge touchdown threat for the Falcons as Desmond Ritter hopefully figures things out or they look to Taylor Heineke. As long as they get the ball to him, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be a monster and be in that all-pro conversation. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right about Hawkinson. I am very blessed to be in a dynasty league where you start two tight ends and my two starting tight ends, no question every week if they're healthy and not on bye week are TJ Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts. So, um, Noah Fant for my backup for either one. So I, I feel very blessed about my tight end situation because if I'm right, if we're right, I've got two of the top five. Um, but moving on to my number two, I'm convinced we and, have the top five. It's just which order do you have these two? Yeah, I, I, okay, I do have to. Um, I, I think people are going to pay me again. I didn't put Justin Jefferson number one. I'm going to do some more controversial stuff on this podcast tonight. Mm. I'm going to put Travis Kelsey in my t- number two slot. I like the receiving. Of Travis Kelsey, I think it's A++. Um, But I would say there's more to the game for a tight end than just receiving. And there's another guy out there who probably doesn't get targeted as much. Some of it's because of the weapons around him. But I think Travis Kelsey gets targeted a lot because of the lack of weapons around him. Um, Which is not a knock on Travis Kelsey. It's just that the Chiefs simply have just neglected the wide receiver spot now that Tyreek Hill's not there. Even when Tyreek Hill was there, Travis Kelsey still got plenty of volume. But I I really uh, look at the tight end position as a whole, and I'm going to go ahead and put Travis Kelsey at my, at my number two. So the two best tight ends in the league are Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Kelsey is four years older, but based on last year's numbers, Kelsey 17 games to Kittle's 15. 110 receptions to 60, 1,300 yards to 765, 12 touchdowns to 11. Uh, they both had two solo tackles. Uh, so it's it really is just kind of a pre- preference thing here. Maybe you like younger and the better blocker. For me, I like the consistent production and the gaudy stats. So for me, Kittle is at number two. If Kelsey rides off into the sunset after the season, Kittle ascends to number one. I will admit that he is probably the better blocker, but they're both perfect for their systems in what Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan want to do respectively. Kittle and Kelsey are the best guys to have there and that symbiosis of the coaches and the players maximizing each other. So I'll just do two birds with one stone here. Kittle's for me at number two. Travis Kelsey's at number one. Yeah, and I prefer the blocker. Uh, I mean, Kyle Shanahan has even readily admitted we couldn't run some of the the run schemes that we run if we didn't have a blocking tight end as good as George Kittle. Um, but I think you could find a way to run the chief scheme without Travis Kelsey. It may not look as gaudy or as great a numbers, but when you've got Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't think like if you switch spots, if you switch these guys teams, I don't think it works out as well for the Niners. And I think it works just as well for the chiefs. 
right? Um, if you flip these guys' teams, I know that's a little bit of a hypothetical would never happen kind of a thing, but yeah, give me give me George Kittle at my number one, obviously. Travis Kelsey at my number two. So I I got to dare to be different. I don't go with the flow. So I know I might be a little bit of a homer again, picking a Hawkeye at number one, but it's uh, fine. I do have to give George Kittle credit, though, as a big pro wrestling fan. So he gets points in my book for that. Oh, he's going to have a very long WWE career after he's done playing football. I think we talked about this on a previous pod. Maybe it was last season. Better hair, Kittle or Hawkinson? Um, I think I got to go with the Kittle because I feel like it's more well-groomed. Okay. I, I think Hawkinson just lets it flow. Is Sam Laporta required to get in on this now? I have no idea what he looks like. Yeah, Sam Laporta is a little bit tighter of a haircut, but I don't know if that's like a, you know, an Iowa football thing to where he's just going to let it go now. But I think it'd be cool if all Iowa tight ends were just like, yeah, we're just going to let our hair grow. It's a brotherhood. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. So that's Tra- like Travis Kelsey should get in on it, though, too, because like Kittle and Kelsey and Hawkinson and like all these top tight ends, kind of, they're all kind of friends with each other. It's kind of cool. It's not like a tight end U that they all go to with the college guys. Like, yeah, George Kittle started his own thing called Tight End U, and he invites basically everybody who's anybody for tight ends in the NFL to come hang out with him in the summer and go through like a week of camp together. Nice. I know that Hawkinson goes there. I don't know if Kelsey does. I think he's shown up before, but other guys who play tight end in the NFL have gone there. So, yep. And- Totally professional with no shenanigans. Oh, tons of shenanigans, zero professionalism. It's awesome. Uh, So I think we did end up with the same five guys like I kind of expected, except for your red herring with Dallas Goddard. But my my five to one, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, you went Pitts, Andrews, Hawkinson, Kelsey, Kittle. And then I had Darren Waller as my outside looking in, and you had Dallas Goddard. Anybody else we need to recognize? Oh, uh, the Evan Ingram resurgence? Pat, Pat Fryermuth? Are we? Um, I'm, I, I'm a little colder on some of these guys. You know, Maybe a Hayden Hurst could get yeah. back. I keep waiting for Hunter Henry to bounce back. I do think it's notable that um, the Bills drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round. Could be a huge. And there's been a lot of a lot of hyperbole around him. I know they have Dawson Knox, um, but Dawson Knox is pretty easily replaceable. And there are some people in NFL draft circles, uh, a lot of guys who pump out NFL draft content, who have made the big Kelsey comparison with Dalton Kincaid. That's a lot to throw on a tight end. Um. But so just something to monitor um, first round tight ends. If you spend a first round pick on a tight end, they better be good. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. So just something to monitor. And we all know what the bills offense is capable of. So Kincaid is a guy that we could be talking about next year. Maybe. Well, let's finish up our last offensive group here. And that is the offensive lineman 
We did decide to lump these together. Tackles, guards, and centers. I guess we forgot we still have quarterbacks to do. Uh, but we'll try to get through the linemen here pretty quick. I I ended up with three tackles, one guard, and one center in mind for what it's worth. Okay. Let's just go ahead and just list our five. I don't think we need to do a deep dive on all five of our offensive linemen. Right. Um, my number five, I, I got to put him in here, center, um, Iowa guy, Tyler Linderbaum. I think he was a huge part of the Ravens' attack last year. I know that Lamar Jackson loves him. Number five for me is Linderbaum. Uh, number four for me is Quentin Nelson. I think the Colts would just absolutely fall apart, although they kind of have, but I love Quentin Nelson and his game. Um, Elton Jenkins is my number three. I have to put a Packer in here. I feel contractually obligated to. Uh, My number two is Trent Williams. And my number one is a guy that's going to move to the left tackle, but was the best right tackle for the past couple of years, Tristan Wirfs. We're going to finally see how great he is because he's moving to left tackle this year and it'll be basically a seamless transition. No problems. And if you can play both right and left tackle basically perfectly, which I think he should be able to do, barring any health concerns, give me Werfs at number one. So Linderbaum, Nelson, Jenkins, Williams, Werfs for me. Now, not in the same spot. We we did end up with three of the five guys the same, which I didn't, did not expect quite that many. Uh, so my first, my just receiving votes on the outside looking in, Evan Neal, David Bakhtiari, Orlando Brown, Andrew Thomas, Taron Armstead, Joel Batonio, Trey Smith, Wyatt Teller, Jason Kelsey, and the aforementioned Tyler Linderbaum. They were my, if, if we had more names to get into. And I guess I did have Elton Jenkins just on the outside. Uh, but my number five, the best center in the league right now, the young guy with the Chiefs, Creed Humphrey. Talked about him a couple of years ago, how he slipped in the draft, and whether it's just a center value thing. The anchor for that offensive line and the, the brains of the operation for the Chiefs there, Creed Humphrey. Number four for me is an up-and-coming. I think he and your guy, Tristan Wirfs, are going to be the future of offensive linemen, and that is Rashawn Slater, a super athlete yet a mauling beast on the edge for the Chargers as long as Justin Herbert needs uh, somebody to protect his blind side. Rashawn Slater is going to be the best man for the job. And number three for me is the aforementioned Tristan Wirfs. One of those guys, he just looks like a natural offensive lineman. Going back to his college days, he just looks like he fits a guy who knows every tool of the trade. See what happens down in Tampa. Maybe not a lot to pay attention to this year, but if you catch a Bucks game, Tristan Wirfs is going to be one of the highlights for them. Number two, the best guard has been for several years, and that's Quentin Nelson. He's the prototypical man for the job, the Modern era, John Hanna almost feels like he's ready for Canton right now. Like you say, the Colts are kind of in a no man's land right now, but they've got Quentin Nelson and Jonathan Taylor. So there's something fun for Colts fans. And then number one is the $138 million man, Trent Williams, a little bit older than everybody else on this list, but I think he was the highest ranking offensive lineman ever in the NFL 100 last year. His teammates respect him. The opposition respects him. Just one of the most universally admired players in the league behemoth left tackle for the 49ers which makes him very important to Mr. Brock Purdy which is what matters most but uh so for me Trent Williams one Quentin Nelson two Tristan Wirfs three Rashawn Slater four and Creed Humphrey five all right can't argue with that except for the Brock Purdy part it may be a Trey Lance show you never know you never know it's probably going to be a Sam Darnold show by the end of the year I don't know 
the 49er quarterback spot is just so fluid. I don't know. <laughs> by committee. I know. It, yeah, they're literally the – they can quarterback by committee and just – it makes sense. It works. Anyways. So good, five. Yeah. Anyways, uh, quarterbacks. We Main saved events. the best for last. We're here. We're here. Uh, I'll let you go first with your number five. Number five, I don't know if this is considered a surprise or not based on the 2022 season that he had. I hope it's not a flash in the pan. I'm going Jalen Hurts really came on the scene last year. Nobody expected it. Hand few of us out there who took him in fantasy dynasty leagues a couple of years ago. We're really excited to see it. Uh, Jalen Hurts, great kind of arrival on the scene. Hope he's able to back that up and we'll see what the Eagles cook up this year with that system. A lot of new faces. I do think Jalen Hurts is the real deal and has entrenched himself as what we think Lamar Jackson and, and Kyler Murray were going to be, Jalen Hurts actually is. Yeah, I'm with you. That's why I do not have Jalen Hurts at my number five. But at my number five, if I have a guy who really shined in his second year, led the Jaguars to the playoffs. My number five, Trevor Lawrence. Love it. I really think he has a chance to take off. And if you look at the Jaguars receivers that he had last year, it's not big name guys. I mean, it was Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Zay Jones. And all three of those guys had career years with Trevor Lawrence. I think that says more about Trevor Lawrence rather than more about like the talent of those guys that I just mentioned. So a, the sign of a good quarterback is one who is, makes the guys around him kind of ascend. Trevor Lawrence does that. That's why I think he's worth putting at number five. And at the end of this year, maybe we'll think that that's too low. He's got Kelvin Ridley now. And look out because he's got a legitimate wide receiver one there. I think in Calvin Ridley. I know he took a year off, but I think Calvin Ridley, when he's on the field and engaged and not off of it for gambling, he's a really good NFL wide receiver. And so I think uh, the Jags are kind of an ascendant team. And I, I expect Lawrence to put up similar numbers, maybe even better numbers, probably more touchdowns this year than last year. I am all in on Trevor Lawrence. And as much as I'm not really a bleeding heart fan for any one team, the Jags would be my pick. So I'm all in on him. He was about number seven on my list. I am all for having him become a top three quarterback though, if that's how it works out. So go Trevor Lawrence, go. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number four for me is a guy, maybe controversially a, a spot or two lower than some people would expect. I think he's entrenched himself. He's going to be a starter in this league for 10 more years, but that's Josh Allen. If we're going to talk to him on the same level of Mahomes, we need the wins. We need the championship. Not, not that this is a bad place to be, but he's kind of the Marino to Mahomes is Joe Montana right now. All the talent in the world, maybe the best runner in terms of actually scoring and getting the job done. He's not as fast as some other guys, but you look at who's truly the best dual threat runner and thrower. It might be Josh Allen. Just just need those postseason wins to vault him a little higher. Totally agree with you on Allen. But my number four is going to be a, the guy that you mentioned at number five because I'm all in on him too, and so are the Eagles, given the contract that they gave him. They believe in him to be a franchise guy, 
led him to a Super Bowl, I think, has a really good chance to get back there. Has his own patented play with that little fourth down push that they do. Um, so give me Jalen Hurts at my number four. I think we're going to see him continue to grow as a passer this year. Really good at throwing the deep ball and really smart at running. And when he runs, just does not take hits. Like you see Lamar and Kyler and even to a lesser extent, Josh Allen taking some hits that they probably shouldn't. Uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't do any of that. He just plays the game at a really cerebral level. And I, I like that about him. I, I did not expect this for him coming out of college or even after his first year, really. I didn't, I didn't see last year coming, but I think, like I said with Lawrence, we might, look at this number four ranking from me and think that's too low after this year for Jalen Hurts. That leads me to believe that my number three guy is the one you don't have on your list because I cannot imagine you not having my top two guys. I'm not going to say it's personal on your part, but I do have Aaron Rodgers at number three. I still think he is maybe the most talented pure passer to ever play the game. I think the new scenery is going to pay off dividends. I think he was just ready to be done in Green Bay. seems think he'll end up being happier and pleased. He gets to have his old pal as the play caller. And I think Robert Sala is just going to kind of let them do their thing on the offense. Garrett Wilson looks like he could be as good as a Donald driver, Jordy Nelson, Devonte Adams type player added to Alan Lazard. So he's got his security blanket there. Brees Hall comes back. There's going to be plenty of weapons around Aaron Rodgers. I think that offensive line is going to get better. I think he's still got it. This man won two MVPs in this decade. Let's give, let's give Aaron Rodgers his flowers, as the kids say. I still think he's in there in that elite all-pro, maybe not MVP conversation, but that all-pro, Pro Bowl, dare I say, playoff quarterback. Yeah, it's sort of personal for me, but also I watched last season. Um, so I can't consciously put Aaron Rodgers in my top five. Yeah, I, I feel really like anywhere near it, not. just given the drop off that there that was. Yeah, I feel like I'm in so, the mind just, with including him. Uh, no, you're actually not. I I just don't understand people getting hyped back up for a 39 year old quarterback who chooses when he's engaged and when he's not. And, and anyways, we won't we won't go on about Aaron Rodgers too much. But my number three is a guy that you mentioned at number four. That's Josh Allen, and it's for that you said, like, I, I need to see some more of the playoff success. And he did have a little bit of a down year last year without Brian Dayball. I know that Ken Dorsey took over, and we thought it would be kind of the seamless transition. But I think, I think uh, there's a little bit of concern with the way that he dropped off last year. Uh, the turnovers are still something that Josh Allen needs to clean up, but he makes up for it in his rushing value. He throws plenty of touchdowns as well, but it, it feels like there's three guys at the top and Allen's one of them. It's just that I've got him in that third slot right now. Which leads me to believe we have the top two, the same, and I suspect in the same order at one and two, I'm a little bit surprised. I wasn't sure how many people agreed with me on this man being at number two. It is Joe cool. It is Mr. Swagger, Joe Burrow. The Mahomes Slayer is that? Have we given him that moniker yet? Is he like the only man to beat Patrick Mahomes multiple times? 
Yeah, so I I think that this Mahomes Burrow thing is like the new Brady Manning or the new Breeze Manning. Um or we had Brady Manning a lot more than Breeze Manning. Um so remember when Brady and Manning were seemingly going at each other in the playoffs every year and Brady was kind of getting the better end of it most most years for Various reasons that didn't have a lot to do with just the quarterback play. I feel like the Patriots always had the better overall team in most of those instances, and that's why Brady kept coming out on top. But I I don't think – I think we could have dubbed him the Mahomes Slayer if Mahomes hadn't just gone on and win a Super Bowl and beat the Bengals in route to doing so. Before that, I would totally agree with you. But, yeah, we've got the same top two here. Um in the same order because you've got Burrow at two and I've got Burrow at two and I would assume we've got Mahomes at one. Yeah, don't don't and, no, no reason to go you know Stephen A on this and say Mahomes isn't number one just to say it. Yeah, yeah, you can't. And um, we're going to get another decade of Mahomes and Burrow probably, yeah. and Allen and Trevor Lawrence and. You know, why, why is the NFC just not, not going to be like the NFC is just canceled because it's just Jalen Hurts and everybody else. I, I thought about that when we both had our list that there was only Jalen Hurts is the only NFC quarterback either one of us had. And you were talking about Brady versus Manning. It also is kind of like that 80s, 90s uh, when the AFC, you had Marino, Elway, Jim Kelly, and is there another one I'm forgetting? That's kind of what the AFC feels like with Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert. And if you throw Trevor Lawrence in there, those are five decade-long franchise quarterbacks that are going to be duking it out every year. You know, we yeah. we, had, we had Big Ben and Phillip Rivers along with Manning and uh, Brady. And, um, I mean, you got to mention Lamar. The, a Deshaun Watson comeback season, possibly. Um, and, and I what get if. Go ahead. What if Kenny Pickett evolves? I mean, Kenny Pickett showed some signs of being at least a decent quarterback, and Tua, when he's healthy, looks good as well. When he's healthy, again, there's a lot of concerns there, but, like, we've talked about this a lot before. There's just not – there's a little bit more um, young quarterbacks now, but – like Bryce Young is the next young quarterback, and we just don't know what Bryce Young is going to be. Right. And, and I go ahead. No, I again, you have the young guys who may be at the bottom. It's just it feels like the NFC doesn't really have that. You know, there's not the exciting, sexy players. There's the middle tier guys. There's Dak, who I really like. I still think Dak is a top ten quarterback, but just not the not the excitement of the AFC. So Dak, Daniel Jones, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Geno Smith, all these kind of middle of the pack guys are hanging out in the NFC while the elites and maybe the bottom are over in the AFC. Yeah. Jared Goff, Derek Carr, yeah. Fields, I mean like Fields is the young guy that a lot of people are putting their hopes in and I, I'm just not sure if I'm there. And then this year I'm sorry, what? Yeah, Justin Fields is the one I think is pop. He's going to be, I think he's boom or bust, but if he pops and becomes you know, Jalen Hurts-esque, could be could yeah. be savior for the NFC. Yeah, or Bryce Young um, coming out of nowhere and having a sensational rookie season. But 
I think the AFC even got younger and deeper because CJ Stroud went to the Texans. Anthony Richardson went to the Colts. And I hear nothing but great things about Anthony Richardson right now and how he's going to surprise everybody, apparently. So I I don't know. Like, it could just get even wilder with if Stroud and Anthony Richardson just decided they're going to be good, too. Basically, almost every team except for the Titans would have a good quarterback in the AFC and the Broncos. Well, We're not gonna... talking about Russell Wilson or Ryan Tannehill in the best quarterback conversations right now. I was going to ask you where you would rank Russell Wilson because he was in my top 10. Uh, my theory is that last year was it was an off year, poor coaching. I think Russ bounces back. I'm I'm riding with Danger Russ again. I think he's going to come back with the Broncos, but you do not seem to be near as sold on him. No, I I I I could see it kind of tailing off at the end of his Seahawks days and last year just left a bad taste. I do think he could be better. I do think that having Sean Payton will help him out, but I also think that um just given all the other AFC guys that we mentioned, he's not anywhere near the top 3 guys for sure and probably not near Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert either. So when it comes to just conference alone, if you want to really nitpick, like he's probably sixth best in the conference or Aaron Rodgers. I'd put Aaron Rodgers ahead of him still. Um, like he's maybe the seventh Lamar Jackson too. Like he he's eight. Like I keep going down the list. Like he's number eight in the AFC, like at best right now. It depends on how you feel about Deshaun Watson. For me, it's really flip a coin between Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson right now. It'll be an interesting year. There's so many great quarterbacks. Much we we want to think every team needs to draft a new quarterback high every year. There's there's 25 quality NFL starters in the league to varying degrees. Not everybody's a Mahomes or a Burrow. But there's been times where the quarterback pool has not been near as deep. If we're talking about Ryan Tannehill as the 22nd best quarterback, for example, it's a very solid number 22. Yeah. And well, um, next year. So my hope is that the Raiders just suck this year. The Raiders are just awful. Very real chance that happens. Yeah. And the reason for it is because if the Raiders get the number one pick, the unanimous number one pick is going to be Caleb Williams out of USC. And so then we would have a division where we've got Mahomes, Herbert, and Caleb Williams for at least another decade. Yeah, and Herbert just got paid. He and Mahomes are locked into huge deals. Right. And I think Caleb Williams is, you know, I don't want to say can't miss, but feels like almost like a can't miss quarterback prospect. The type of guy that you certainly draft to be a franchise guy. And so, again, they would only make the AFC, NFC quarterback thing even more lopsided so yeah, there's... maybe that's the cue for some nfc team to just throw in the towel and really hunt caleb williams because they should just for the sake of the conference could be arizona honestly arizona is going to race you to the bottom arizona tampa oakland we'll we'll save our previews for the future but as i'm looking those arizona and tampa I'm trying to think who looks like they're going to be struggling quite as much, especially if they're in need of a quarterback. But Oakland, Oakland may be a strong candidate. 
Yeah. Okay. Anyways, we will see save our season previews for another day. Uh, quick, quick rundown here. We did punters last week. Uh, just to recognize, because kickers are people too. Top five kickers: Eddie Pinheiro, Young Way Koo, Dan Carlson, Jason Myers, and the ageless wonder that is Justin Tucker. I did not prepare a kicker list. I had okay. completely forgotten about kickers. Uh, no. So your list sounds great, to be honest. Uh, returners, Brandon Powell, who I think plays for the Commanders. I'd never heard of him before this list, but he had great numbers last year. Braxton Berrios been around for a while. Marcus Jones with the Patriots, I believe. Kanea Wangu, former Iowa Stater with the Vikings. And your guy, Keyshawn Nixon, Packer returner. Yeah, I was, was going to say, you have to mention Keyshawn Nixon or or I might, my head might explode. <laughs> Uh, so on my list of players, I think I alluded to this last week, San Francisco led the way with seven players ranked in the top five, Kansas City and Philadelphia, five each, Buffalo and Baltimore, four each, a huge slog of teams with three, and then a couple with two. They had eight teams with one player each and five teams that had no players in my top five, the Saints, the Texans, the Bears, not really surprising with those three. And then the Lions and the Jaguars. I would have loved to get Sunshine Trevor Lawrence on there. He was probably the closest. Uh, so 27 out of 32 teams with a top five player. So at least almost everybody in the league has a superstar to get excited about. Just about. Yep. But, sorry, Texans. And Bears. You still suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else we need to get to on this nice, super long, overloaded episode? Again, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have college previews, NFL previews, a fantasy football episode, and sprinkle in a little bit of everything else, UFC, golf, baseball, basketball, as it comes to us. All right. If nothing else, we thank you all for joining us on this week's episode. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.